Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. G'day everyone. Thanks for joining me for another uh, episode of Hammer at Home. If you listened to last week's episode, you would have heard me talking to a bloke called Derek Riley. He's an author and he's my ghostwriter for the book that I wrote and co-wrote with Miguel Maestre. My book's called Life Force. It's all about my life, my fight with cancer and some stories which I think explain how I became the man I am today. In this episode, I'm going to read to you one of those chapters. It was Derek's favorite chapter. It's one of my favorites as well. It's a short one, but it involves some adult themes and a little bit of coarse language. So if there's any kids in the car, you might want to uh, save this one to later. Let's get into it. Dollar Walls was a wrecking yard on Riverside Road in Moorbank, which is in the western suburbs of Sydney and a few hundred meters from where I lived. You could always go down to Dollar Walls to get a part for your car, and it was always a dollar or two. It didn't matter if it was a motor or a carburetor. It was just one dollar or two dollars, and it had to be cash. The owner, Wall, was a horrible sight. He was a big, ugly, grease-covered man in overalls. He never wore a shirt underneath, and he had wads of cash, one and two dollar and five dollar notes, stuffed into his pockets and his undies. Quite gross, really. Every now and then, my dad would walk down to Dollar Walls and buy us what he called a ten dollar bomb, and that was for us to drive around the paddocks behind our house. This is back when I was 8, 9, 10, 11. They were great years. The only rule Dad had was you had to stay in first gear. A kid from down the road hated that rule, and as soon as we were out of sight, he'd show us how to jam it into second, and then in third, and show us how to spin the wheels. By the time I was 12, I was going sideways around corners. But this isn't a story where I swing down memory lane and talk about a couple of kids driving cars in back paddocks. It's about my dad, it's about masculinity, and it's about idolising a man who wasn't afraid to raise his fist if he thought his dignity was being threatened. And it's about how that attitude would affect my life for a long, long time. You see, sometime in the 70s, the wrecking yard industry changed a lot, and it seemed a lot of bikies had taken over these yards, particularly in the western suburbs. I guess it was to repurpose stolen cars and wash cash they might have made from heroin that was really starting to hit the streets in those days. Riverside Drive was soon all wrecking yards and it started to become a real industrial area. Dad despised these new wrecking yard owners because they were only out to make a profit and literally nothing else. Maybe Wall died or maybe he sold, I'm not sure, but one day he wasn't there. The smell of grease was gone and you had to walk along a line on polished concrete floor to examine old parts that were now cleaned and on a wall. And they sure weren't one or two bucks anymore. The same cabaretta was now $15. The same water pump, 20 Dad just hated it. So there we are. It's a stinking hot day in 1976. We walked into this joint and straight away my dad summed these three bikey guys up. 
and I knew from his vibe that he was not in awe. I have to say, I was. There is no doubt about it, these were rough men. As horrible as Wall might have been, these guys were next level. Big, bearded, bikey thugs, covered in tattoos. And for any millennials that might be listening to this, it might be hard for you to imagine, but 40 years ago, if you had a tattoo, you'd either been in the Navy or in prison. If you were covered in tattoos like these men were, it was an easy signal to read. Don't mess with these guys. And Dad must have given them a bit of a look because they had attitude with him which made me feel really uneasy. My dad would always start a conversation with how you going mate and put his hand out for it to be shaken. He put his hand out to these guys and the first bloke ignored it and said, yeah mate, what do you want? Well, you may as well belted my dad over the head with a stick than say that to him. When he offers you a hand and you don't take it, you're about a second away from copying it like you've never got it before. My dad was a great boxer and he could handle himself. We were there to buy a water pump for a mustard yellow 1973 model Galant that I had just bought. I got it cheap because it was covered in hail damage. My first car, glamorous, not even close. And there was a water pump on the wall, all cleaned up, 15 bucks the guy says. Dad must have been looking for a fight because he said, you know mate, you can stick that up your ass. I'll go down the back and get one myself. These blokes were prepping my dad. He looked at me and told me to go to the car and grab the toolbox. As I started to walk away, they said, nah, you can't take your tools down there. You've got to hire our tools. My dad started to fume. You could see it. He was boiling over. They gave in and said, go on, use your own fucking tools. They swore at my dad. They swore in front of me. That didn't happen in my world. To my dad, I may as well have been three years old. I could see the veins in his arms and his necks pulsating. He was fired up. Dad wasn't a big man. He was 6'2", but more a middleweight, 80 kilos after a couple of beers. But size and weight meant nothing when you know how to handle yourself. I've seen fools throw punches that he would slip and slide under. The worst thing you could do was lift your hands to him. You wouldn't know what was coming next. We walked down the back of the yard and we found a galant. We got in with our tools and got the water pump off. We cleaned it up and brought it back to the counter. They tell my dad it's 14 bucks. The one on the wall was 15 bucks. They were egging him on. Three blokes, the biggest one sitting down with the hideous smart ass look on his face. My dad was seeing red but I was with him and he wasn't going to risk a blow up while I was there. Still, They pushed him and they pushed him. He had no patience anyway and only two seconds for fools. But he put up with these three guys for a long time and eventually he says, I'll give you 10 bucks or you can stick it up your ass." That's exactly how he said it. He was fired up now. You can stick it up your ass. I remember it like it was yesterday. So he dropped 10 bucks on the counter and walked off with me and the water pump. The next minute, you wouldn't believe it, a tyre wrench skimmed across the floor just past us. They were just trying to push him even further. Dad looked at me and he'd lost it. He just said simple words, go to the car. I said, don't worry about him, Dad, please don't worry about him. He said, go to the car. I took the water pump with me and I went to the edge of the garage and looked back. He had lost it. 
The one who was mouthiest took a swing at my dad because he knew what was coming. He knew my dad was ready for a blur. My dad dropped his head under this guy's haymaker. He could have taken him easily with just one punch, but dad jabbed him anyway just to straight him up and then gave him a proper uppercut and lifted him, literally lifted him off the ground. With that, the big guy who was sitting down drinking Coca-Cola out of a one-litre bottle started to stand up and dad hit him straight on the nose. He split it like a goat's toe straight across his face. He fell back in his chair unconscious and the other bloke just ran, ran for his life. And dad said, you throw something at my son again, I'll jam my boot so far up your arse your nose will bleed. He then grabbed the 10 bucks and walked out. And I thought, they deserved it, those idiots. The thing is with boxing, if you know where to place your fists, if you're at the right angle to someone, you can decommission them straight away. Two men were unconscious and another man was running for his life somewhere out the back. Dad walked back, looked at me and said, I told you to get in the car. And that's a wild story, but I reckon 10 or more things could have went wrong that day. They could have hit my dad with that tie wrench and killed him. He could have lifted one of those blokes onto the corner of a table and maybe they'd be dead. My dad would be in jail. I was incredibly proud of my dad. It was a superhero moment, but it was one of those things that had me raising my fists sooner than I should have in my life. I've knocked dozens of blokes out in my life now and I'm not proud of those things. As a calculated, analytical sort of guy, I learned, and yeah, it took me a while to learn it, that in life you have to limit your risks and maximise your returns. Here's an example of how I turned a potentially disastrous situation around. It's about 20 years later. I'm a successful builder. I've got developments all over Sydney. And every Friday afternoon I'd go to the Lord Dudley pub, a pub in Paddington, and write all the subcontractors their cheques, their payments. I was a healthy and very strong man, and I didn't take a backward step to anyone. But, still, I was in my mid-thirties and too old to be fighting or throwing punches in a pub, that's for sure. To put it in perspective, though, just about every single bloke in the bar that afternoon, the scaffolders, the plasterers, the brickies, they were all being paid by me, and I had a reputation that was pretty strong. You see, I'd cleaned up a few scuffles that had started in that pub over the years. Anyway, I was standing at the bar when a guy turned around and bumped into me and spilled his drinks all over me. And he said, you'll be paying for those, mate. At that moment, all I could think was this. Jeez, I'm having fun tonight. I didn't want this idiot to come along and wreck it. Now I'm going to have to knock his block off. Anybody who talks to you like that is in all sorts of trouble. Warn me that you're going to do something to me and you're really limiting your options. I don't care if you're six foot six. Certain blokes just don't do that. These are the blokes that know. They don't threaten you. If you ask for it, they'll finish it quickly. To the loud ones like this clown, if you offer me a jaw, I'll put you to sleep in a second. But I said to him, no worries, mate. I'll buy those drinks and I'll buy every drink you have tonight. Anyway, let's get a round of cigars as well. He was carrying drinks for five blokes. They were the only blokes in the bar wearing suits, and you could tell just looking at them, they thought they were doing okay. I brought drinks for them and just about everybody else in the bar all night. As the drinks were being pulled, I quietly said, Mate, what were you thinking? That could have gone nowhere. One of us would have had their heads split open, the other one would have been getting hauled off in the back of a paddy wagon. So I'm going to make this the best night we can have. 
My brother Mick had been at the bar, called me the next day and said, who were those idiots you were with last night? They rang me up at about one o'clock in the morning to tell me that you were some sort of legend. I said to him, that's a dickhead who pushed me at the bar. That was a good moment in my life. It's a story I tell a lot of young blokes. It reminds me of myself when I was in my 20s. Fighting, who needs it? The best return is to continue the fun time you are having, offer friendship, a smile, even an apology if you need to. It's an easy investment for a good return. Well, there you go. That's a chapter of my life. It's also a chapter in my book, Life Force. I hope it wasn't too crass for you guys. I hope uh, part of it resonates with you as well. If you want more information about it, I've chucked a link in the show description. Of course, you can go online and buy that book, Life Force. There's also a bunch of great recipes from Miguel at the back of it. It's not just about me brawling, though. It's about my uh, journey with cancer, some of the ways that I've treated my own cancer, and about life in general. Miguel Maestre adds in amazing uh, recipes that he um, collaborated with the uh, nutritionists at the Chris O'Brien Lifehouse. There's also a chapter there from Judith Lacey about the journey uh, and, and her work with cancer. Uh, and again, if you've got any questions, don't forget you can email me at hammerathome at network10.com.au. As I said, offer a smile, handshake, apology, but love someone. It's the best way to go. Take it easy, guys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I love that as well. When I first started in TV, I went into the TV kicking and screaming, but uh, they got me <laughs> I, uh, in there. I'm just wondering, uh, I'd like to order a coffee. I'll, I've got a list here. I'd like a long black, uh, two flat whites, one of them skim with a sugar, uh, a raspberry and apple bread, I think. Hang on, what? What? What do you? Ra- raspberry and apple bread. What, what are you talking about? This is a podcast studio. What? What do you? What do you mean? The sign says cafe. Oh, we forgot to take that down. This, but this is a podcast studio. All right, we're recording Ten Speaks podcast in here. Well, I'll take one of those. All right. Well, there's the professor and the hack, the Western Front. Where's William Tyrrell? The reality bite, cocktails and roses, or hammer at home. But this is this is definitely not a cafe. Okay. Do you feel like a silly person? A little, yes. How long is this promo going? It's going on for quite some time now.